Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. The title of this episode is Love After Trauma, Three Tales of Three Marriages. And I am so excited to have Judy Foreman on, a Boston Globe journalist and author. Welcome to the show, Judy. It's such an honor to have you on. But before we dive into the topic today, um, and this is the first time the audience is hearing from you, can you give them a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? (laughs) Well, a little bit. Okay. Um, Well, I grew up outside New York City a long time ago in a small town called Pelham. Mm -hmm. I went to Wellesley College where I met my first husband at the first mixer of senior year and so I mean junior year I mean freshman year <laughs> <laughs> we were together all the whole way uh we went in the Peace Corps together I had a baby in Brazil in the Peace Corps then we came back we ended up getting divorced but it was a very amicable divorce mm-hmm. um I met my second husband Tom who's a laser physicist um at a cross-country ski weekend, which was great. Uh, We were together a long time, 22, 23 years. He eventually died about 16 or 17 years ago um, from prostate cancer. And then I was determined to marry again because I love being married. Um, And I went on Match.com and a lot of other websites. And I met my current husband, Ken, who is a psychiatrist. So uh, the, the trauma that you're referring to was much earlier in my life growing up with a very uh, dysfunctional family although superficially looked good but underneath wasn't good at all so that was the trauma and there was a lot of healing that's taken place since then which has allowed me to have basically three good marriages especially the last two (laughs) yeah you know it's always a work in progress us moving forward through like our childhood traumas and things like that So let's dive into that. So Love After Trauma, Three Tales of Three Marriages. Can you go into a little bit more into depth about this topic? Well, I think one thing that I think is interesting, and it might be interesting for your listeners, um, I feel that each of the three men I married was appropriate emotionally for where I was in the ability to have intimacy. I mean, Mm -hmm. emotional intimacy. Um, you know, I met my first husband, as I said, when, when we were basically both 18 and not emotionally mature at all. Um, even so he was the right person for that time. He was Mm -hmm. cute. He was nice. He was not angry. Like my father, he was nice. Um, and so that was, that was great for, for what it was. We couldn't end up really growing together, but, um, it was appropriate And then as I started, I didn't really do therapy while I was in that marriage. But after that marriage broke up, I did start uh, psychotherapy. And I've done different kinds at different points in my life. And um, some have been more helpful than others. And I can talk about that if you want. Um, But then I I met Tom, my second husband. And he was um, pretty emotionally available. but And that was probably all I could tolerate at that point because my family was really messed up in terms of emotions um Mm -hmm. and then after doing a lot more therapy I met my husband who was a psychiatrist and um very we have a very close emotional relationship but I'm not sure I could have done that much closeness until I was ready so it took decades given where I started to be able to do that does that make sense 
Totally makes sense. But I want to dive into what did you do to help, you know, move forward in those traumas? What were some of the therapies that you felt were the most effective for you to overcome these um, battles that you had within? Yeah, um, I just sort of did regular talking therapy for a while, which helped a little bit. I realized how um, how how scared I was of authority figures because my father was very terrifying and sexually abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did sort of a kind of cognitive behavior therapy, which was helpful, but uh, didn't really delve into the important stuff. Um, then I did another kind of therapy, I may be mixing up the order, that did delve into more of the scary stuff. And I remember uh, um, that therapist was very good. And um, I remember talking, we literally knelt on the floor together. She was holding my hand and we were talking to a pillow as if the pillow were my father. I was so petrified to say anything to this imaginary father because I grew up so terrified of my father. I literally thought I wouldn't survive feeling those feelings. I mean, it was that scary. Um, So that's kind of where I started. And then the therapy that has been the most helpful for me, which I've been doing for a number of years now, is called Internal Family Systems. I don't know if you've heard of it. You know Um, what? I have heard of it. I, I actually think I interviewed someone on this show that specializes in that. I, when I started that, I thought, boy, I have not been to therapy until now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so, it, it was, has been and still is much more, uh, much more powerful and helpful than anything I had done prior to that. It's hard to explain without sounding completely stupid, but um, the basic idea is for you, for me, we have sort of a centered self. And then we have all these parts of ourselves too like an anxious part or a sad part or an angry part or something. And they all are part of us. But when we're really feeling centered, like I'm feeling pretty centered now, um, I'm not blended. I'm not stuck in one of those parts, but I can get easily get stuck in one of those. And then you sort of learn to get a little distance on that part and almost talk to it if, as if it were a little child. Um, you know, like, why are you so sad? Tell me about it. And you sort of re- establish a relationship with the different parts. I, I know it sounds crazy, but it really is extremely helpful, extremely helpful. And my husband and I have done it uh, as couples therapy, too, which is very helpful because um, if he gets really angry and it seems like out of proportion to anything that's reasonable, mm-hmm. um we can both recognize, oh, that's that's just that anger part. You know, that's not who you are. That's just the feeling of the moment. And it sort of detoxifies things in a way. Um, yeah, it's not excuse, it. it doesn't excuse it, but it sort of gives you a little more control over it. Yeah. You know, going back to talking to, you know, your younger self, you know, talking to that emotion, why it came up, you know, to work through it. Um, another thing that I do personally is, you know, I have a picture of like, you know, myself as a kid on the phone, you know, and yeah. the background sometimes to like go back and remind that little girl, like, Hey, we got this, we can do this. Like, there's nothing right. you're full of. And I remember my mom dumped all these like photos of me and just growing up as a kid. And I just started crying because it's like, where did that person go? You know, like we grow up and, you know, we 
we are different people in different phases of our life. And just like how you were mentioning each husband that you had fit perfectly for what you needed, like in that moment and how you could actually love, you know, to the extent that you could love during those phases of your life. And it's just amazing how, when you look back like 20, 15 years, how many years it's like, wow, like we've come so far, we've accomplished so much. And like, we need to give ourselves grace and acceptance that, we've done so much and come so far, you know, especially with you, like an accomplished journalist and author um, and like working through those things, you know, feeling scared and vulnerable as a child, like your parents are supposed to make you feel safe, you know? And I feel like that's some of the hardest things to overcome. Like that childhood trauma is when you're don't feel safe in your own home, you know? Right. And And you don't know, you don't even really know that you don't feel safe. It sort of takes getting away from it to think, oh, yeah. wow, some people felt safe growing up. I didn't. You yeah. know, um, it takes sort of an awakening to realize that that lack that was there. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what you grow up with seems normal. I mean, it's all you know as a kid. Exactly. You're a sponge. You're like a blank slate. That's yeah. what they say. You know, things aren't taught, they're caught. You know, we pick up on behaviors. But it's it's interesting but we know inside and when we listen to ourselves, like something's just not right, you know, like this just doesn't seem right. Like why would life be this way? You know, even right. when you have no idea, you can't like compartmentalize it or really understand because you only have so much knowledge of the world, you know, the world's like, or like your life and knowledge is a pie and you only have like a sliver, tiny sliver of it when you're born, you know? So, and you're always learning. Oh, and you have no words to explain it to yourself mm-hmm. I mean, you know you just don't you can't get even the distance that words give you yeah you know what I mean you know if if you know if for someone listening right now who's kind of gone through like that same type of childhood experience what would you say to them if they're having you know troubles moving forward so that they can learn to love in the way that they deserve to be loved and not how they think that they should be loved well, I am a big fan of therapy. Yeah. And also of groups. I mean, um, if the, the the listener you're imagining grew up in an alcoholic family like I did, my father was an alcoholic, there's a lot of there's groups in every city mm-hmm. for adult children of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Same for people who are uh, sexual abuse. Uh, survivors. I mean, it's not that hard to look on, to Google around and and find groups and finding other people who have gone through what seem to be similar experiences is incredibly validating and reinforcing. Um, I I think that's, that's really the key for me. Um, And that's, that's pretty doable. I mean, regular therapy or IFS, internal family systems therapy, which I like the best, um, that gets expensive. I mean, it's worth every penny, mm-hmm. but um, you know, p- some people can't afford that, and but they're just as deserving of of therapy. Um, and sometimes I think the groups like adult children of alcoholics can be can be very very helpful. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as one on one therapy, which I still think is probably the best, um, Judy, but. I really appreciate you coming on, telling us your story. And I have four questions I ask all my guests, and I would love to know what your answers are. And my first one- May I just mention mention my book? Of course, yes, yes. Um, 
my my book is called let the more loving one be me okay. I'll, I'll say it again <laughs> let the more loving one be me and it's a, a line from a poem um and it really does document how i've used therapy and my life as a journalist to to really progress a lot from from where i started and you can get it on amazon just uh look up my name judy foreman if you're looking up my name don't forget it's f-o-r-e-m-a-n not without the e yeah i'll have <laughs> all the links down below in the show notes so you can go oh, down great there. good thank you thank you um so my first question is who and what inspires you <laughs> i want don't laugh I want to say Nancy Drew. <laughs> young to know Nancy Drew, but for my generation, uh, the idea of a of a adventurous sort of detective person who was a girl, was mm -hmm. female, um, that was great. You know, um, I'm I'm being somewhat facetious because she's a fictional character, but you know, for young girls growing up, seeing girls do cool things, um, that's huge. I remember Nancy Drew. I watched that when I was little. And then they had like the movie that came out. It's it's like a long time ago. No, I loved Nancy Drew. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, and then my second question is, what is something you wished you knew when you were younger? Oh, I wish there was something called therapy. I mean, that was so not in my worldview. I mean, I grew up and I would not have known who to talk to, maybe a teacher, if there were a really nice teacher, and there probably were. Um, but I, you know, my father was quite abusive emotionally and, you know, sexually. Um, and I didn't even know something was wrong. But if there had been a place in my school to, uh, if there had been something in the ladies' room, the women's room locker saying, does your spouse or father or brother do such and such to you or are you scared of any men in your life mm -hmm. you know anything that would have given me a clue that um wow maybe there's something going on here that would have been incredibly helpful yeah incredibly helpful that's a good that's a good um thing to put out there because people like we were talking earlier they don't know that they're in an abusive situation when they're younger you that's know, right. They don't know any different. And so that's right. That's right. It's good to like educate and, you know, have people know like, hey, this isn't normal behavior at a young age so that they can, right. you know, start the healing process sooner because it's it's difficult, you know, working through all those emotions. Yeah, I um, think it's great that, you know, a lot of the ladies rooms have the signs, you know, if anyone's being do not do you feel safe at home? Mm -hmm. If not, call this number. I mean, that's huge. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then my third question to you is what's the essential part of your daily routine? I would say exercise. Um, as you know, I'm a science writer and, and I've written a bunch of books about science. My favorite one, which is from Oxford University Press, is called Exercise is Medicine. And it's not a how-to. It's not, you know, do 10 sit-ups a day. It really explores the science of exercise and exactly why it's so good for your brain. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know it's good for us in general, but the book goes into specifics. I mean, it's exercise is especially good for mood and for thinking, for cognition. And it turns out there is a specific chemical that is made in the brain during 
during exercise, only during exercise, um, that helps certain nerves grow. And those, you know, the increase in, in those nerves does have a positive effect on mood and cognition. And, uh, you know, you sort of know that subjectively if you feel better after a run or something, but mm -hmm. there's real biochemistry behind that. And that's huge. So I would, I would put that out there. Yeah, no, I agree. I am a firm believer in moving your body, exercising. I can totally tell the difference in my mood when I work out versus when I don't like, yeah. I'm like such a high vibe person. When I work out, I feel like I have more patience, like I'm a more fun mom. But then sometimes when I don't work out, I'm like, I just feel like I'm a little bit more crabby, a little more on edge. So yeah, I definitely am a firm believer in that. And then my last question to you is best advice you've ever received. Um, feel the feelings. Don't run away from the feelings. I grew up essentially being punished for the feelings. So I ended up terrified that feelings were dangerous. Um, and there was something wrong with me if I had feelings, especially sad feelings or angry feelings, but mainly sad feelings. Um, my mother was phobic about that. Um, but it turns out we all do have these feelings and trying to resist them doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And uh, you end up in feeling worse. I mean, it's taken me a lifetime to learn this and I'm still working on it. Um, but I would, that would be my take home message. Yeah. Well, Judy, thank you so much for coming on this week's episode of Not Your Mama's podcast. It was such an honor thank to you. have you on and share your story. All of thank her you. links are down below in the show notes. Don't be shy. Go say hi. And I will see you guys all in the next one. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.